I'm also very thankful that I, in my case, I have a father who has let me fail and who has let me make different decisions than he would have. We see a lot of family businesses that that's the rub. Failing. 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 When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Well, I am so excited to introduce Mike Sipple. Mike is joining us today. And for those of you that don't know Mike, which many people in Cincinnati do, he is the president of Centennial, which is an executive search firm. He also is the host and founder of the Talent Magnet Institute and their podcasts that they have. So welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you're here today. It's an honor. I've been listening since episode one which was Tony Miller. Yes. And that episode brought me to tears. So oh. from then on, I've been a avid listener oh my God. of Failing Forward. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about you, because that's why we're really here. All okay. right. Give us our listeners. Tell us a little bit of background about you. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Covington, Kentucky. Uh, my parents still live in the home that I was raised in, in Latonia, uh, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two older sisters, um, one who lives in Los Angeles in Topanga Canyon, one who lives in Covington. My parents, as I mentioned, still live in Latonia. My sisters went to private school. My parents put me in public school, and I went through the Covington Independent School System. Why did they do that? So Covington Independent Schools at that time had one of the nation's top international baccalaureate programs and an advanced placement program. So I went through that system um, starting in fourth grade and then went into full what they call IB in uh, junior and senior year. What is IB? International Baccalaureate Oh, program. thank you. Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I was so focused on, like, yeah. why did they send him? And my parents both went to Holmes High School. So oh. um, I married my high school sweetheart, yeah. um, her parents. And, and I saw your speech that you gave at— um, Commencement. Yes. Yeah. Very special moment in life to be invited to be a commencement speaker at your alma mater. So, um, so my parents and my wife's parents both went to Holmes High School. Okay. All of our aunts and uncles, with the exception of two— Went to Holmes High School, um, so I'm a multi generational Holmes High School graduate. That's a shout I'm very out right proud there. Of it. That's, That's awesome. Okay, and your dad? Did your dad start Centennial? So my dad was the first employee in 1975. Okay. Um, another husband and wife, Jim and Mary Morris, started Centennial. Um, my dad was their first hire. Um, 1980, Jim died in a fatal accident. And my dad was asked by Mary to take over the company as president at the time as the youngest partner. So my dad has invested the last 43 years um, focusing on succession planning because he knows how difficult it was for him as a young partner to be thrusted in to run a business in his early 30s and um, and that life can, you know, we can be gone tomorrow. Yeah. And what are, how are we preparing for it? And if we're not, we're, could be failing our business and failing the families that we employ. Um, so I joined the organization in 2001, right out of high school. Actually, I was uh, really? working my way through college. Um, I went to college for landscaping and turf grass management. So I wanted to be a landscape architect and then wanted to run my own lawn care and landscaping business. And here I am 18 years later running a prominent executive search firm, talent strategy consulting firm, and uh, have never looked back. Okay, so you start working there, and when you start, you got the bug. And yeah, then so after it, that, it took you were me like... a few years. So about five years, 
three years in, um, there was actually an individual who had retired at the time. His name was Walt Mole. Um, he came on as a consultant with my dad. And um, I shared an office with Walt. And Walt shared with me, you know, it seems like you're really enjoying this. And he went, he went to my dad and said, I think Junior could really do this business. And, um, and then I remember about seven years in, I didn't want to be in sales. I only wanted to be in a support role. Um, and we had a sales coach come in, Pam Beek. And that's kind of what I was sharing with her as well, that I really just love supporting the team. And, mm-hmm. and then I fell in love with business development and relationship building. And, um, you know, and then, the re- you know, as they say, the rest is history, 11 years of that. And now three years ago, took over the firm, okay. um, the family business. And we now have 15 team members and are doing business with organizations in 16 different countries and 38 states here in the U.S. now. So we've been on quite a growth uh, growth track with our business. And was the Magnet Institute part of that growth track, part of that strategy? Yes. So the Talent Magnet Institute came about in a strategic planning session in 2001, believe it or not. There was no name on it. There was no brand attached to it. But what it is today was beginning a visioning process back in 2001, 2002, where we had brought a consultant in, um, Chuck Proudfit, to help us work on what was our hedgehog. And part of the dream, my Explain dad's... Explain hedgehog, because um, not all our listeners hedgehog, might know what that so, means. So from uh, Jim Collins, good to great, what is your focus area? What is the thing that you will focus on to be most successful? And at the end of the day, yes, we run a great executive search firm, but we're really about building relationships and adding value to organizations and doing that not just with ourselves, but with others, advisors, consultants. Um, so many years later, the Talent Magnet Institute, about four and a half years ago, I started doing a speech um, nationally and keynote speaking called Becoming a Talent Magnet. And uh, that topic resonated so well that about a year and a half ago, we put a brand to it. And now it's our talent strategy division of Centennial. So it's a wholly owned subsidiary of Centennial and has 13 faculty members. And we're serving organizations all across this region um, primarily and have some out-of-town customers as well. Okay. So what so what service do you provide? So we are helping organizations in the becoming a talent magnet model of um, – I'll walk through the kind of the six modules of attract, recruit, onboard, develop, retain, and then ambassadors. So if you do the other five well, yeah, you will create ambassadors for your organization. And we have a whole module based on that, as well as all things, call it human capital, talent management, and leadership. Okay. Right. So we're coming in as a partner to organizations saying we want culture, cultural transformation but don't know how. We have succession opportunities, and we've been talking about them for five-plus years, but we don't know who to help us. And we're coming in with a team, or we need executive coaching. We need development in our people, and we talk about it, but we need to take things to the next level. Um, Typically, organizations, uh, we've been very fortunate they turn to us for introductions a lot of who do we work with there. So now we're leveraging our strength of putting a team together, building a brand around it, and trying to come out as a key middle market organization focused on helping elevate leaders and organizations to be more successful. We talk about in the podcast um, that the Talent Magnet Institute podcast is all about helping leaders succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success and leadership. So one of the things, Sarah, that uh, we see a lot are leaders who fail by climbing to the top and realizing that they have no soul. 
um, mm. and where relationships are broken and they have no community engagement and they that they look back and say, wow, climbing to the top, it's really lonely here. And we all hear that a lot. And there are executives who suffer from that a great deal, uh, both in family business, publicly traded, privately held. Um, and we want to serve those to help them lead well while they're there and also lead well for the people that they employ. Um, you know, we say quite a bit in our podcast, we just want to help people love people, right? And love people well. Oh. And if we can do that, cultures will strengthen organizations will strengthen to be frank families will strengthen because people will be happier going to their family uh, and our will make an impact in our community as well we won't have people leaving living hopeless and soulless they'll really be living for a cause and with a purpose so obviously you know right now there's such a great war on talent right i mean it's for companies to recruit really good talent it's it's hard right now mm -hmm. because it's the job offered the jobs are unemployment is low right mm -hmm. so i'm going to ask this not from the company side but more from the employee side how if you were giving them advice on marketing themselves or their success going back to your point what um i don't know what are some pointers that you can give people right now around the job market? Because I get questions about it all the time. Mm -hmm. So one, we're a, you need to be authentic, right? So who are you and live that in your environment, Okay. right? So don't try to conform to what is being asked for. Share. How do I find out? How do I discover that about myself? How do I discover being authentic? Yes. I, a lot of times people are like, well, I just don't know yet. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I would certainly recommend is ask individuals, what are the character traits that you think of when you think of me? Right. I love that. Mike, do you know, um, I think it was we I was overseeing a leadership program for the chamber and I brought in a speaker and he had every participant text five people that they know right and now. said, yeah. right now, I want you to send me three characteristics or qualities that you love in me. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It like totally filled my bucket. And it was interesting to see which ones were similar. Absolutely. And I would recommend that to the listeners. To do that while you're listening to this, go ahead and map that out because I think it's a great place to start, right? Yeah. That um, we don't always feel that way about ourselves. You know, sometimes those relationships closest to us see things differently than ourselves if we're being extra hard on ourselves or things that they may also be, you know, a few things that you may not want to hear. Yeah. And I need to address that. Um, the other part is what comes up in performance feedback? What, what, what constantly, you know, I always tell individuals from a coaching perspective that, Maybe you are right where you're supposed to be. And maybe the challenges that you're facing and the frustrations that you have is your opportunity and why, um, in my belief, God put you right where you are yeah. to be in this environment. How can you lead well and be the change? Right. Because that's what organizations want. They want leaders who want to be the change. And some may say, well, not mine. Well, in some cases, it's if you allow your voice to be taken away and your energy to be sucked dry. Yes. And your hope to be lost in the environment that you're in, you're no longer effective. And if you lead with your most passionate areas and your strengths and your environment and recognize your weaknesses, if that doesn't fit for the organization you're in, that's OK. Right. But don't be voiceless. Don't be energyless, um, you know, lack energy in your environment. Um, so try to bring that out in your environment. And then defining that, wow, this is who I am. This is yeah. where I want to be. And this is where I'm most successful and this is where I fail. 
and how do I step up and step differently into my next opportunity? Or again, I'm a big believer in what can you do to stay right where you are and make a bigger impact. Okay. As well. Tell me, tell me, do you guys do you subscribe to any assessments? You know, like a Strengths Finder or Enneagram or the Divine or, um, yeah, yeah. Th- that you love. So and we, maybe not from a company perspective, again, from an individual perspective, like if they were trying to learn more about sure. themselves, like going back to your authentic piece, mm-hmm. yeah. what would you so recommend? So I think um, the Enneagram is a great assessment. Um, there's an assessment out of Indianapolis called Lion's Lead. Had, um, Lion's, Lions Lead. That's um, a great assessment. What it's, does it tell you? Is it um, so? It does a fi- there's it actually has um, if you do kind of the ultimate profile with them, it takes I think five different assessments, and basically shows you from a quadrant perspective where you lead best, what your natural gifts are, your strengths are. What I thought was unique, it also shows a lot about potential. Where do you have the potential to grow? Interesting. And are you being held back by your own inhibitions or are you being held back by other factors? Um, And it was an assessment that we used for our – you asked about personal. Uh, We used it for our succession plan um, inside our own company. Really? Right. So my my simple senior and myself both took it. And uh, it's been – it was a great – really helped me acknowledge who I am. Yeah. And I don't need to apologize for that. I need to lean into that even more. So are you totally different from your dad or are you guys similar? I don't know your um, father. Yeah. So so personality, demeanor wise, um, people think we're very different. My dad is a very intense individual, (laughs) um, but he's also, I tend to be a little bit more extroverted in my delivery. Yes. Um, He is the most friendly guy you'll ever meet. He is the one that will go into a restaurant and walk table to table and find out what they're celebrating or who they are or why they're there yeah. or um, how long they've been married or um, that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. So he's got the extra version too. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I describe it like I think generational differences. Um, we're more similar than some days he might admit based on what I've heard about him and how he operated when he was in his 30s. Mm. Um, so, And that's how I feel about generational labels, that we all just have different life experiences. Totally. Um, and even over the last three years, the learning of myself, some of the barriers that I may have created for myself, um, I have shifted in my personality and approach to leadership and life as well, yeah. just from learning. And I think he's uh, excited about that, excited to see some of that transformation. Uh, but we're we're equally in terms of... Would you of, share an example of a barrier and maybe how you overcame it? Yeah. So one of the things that we see a lot um, in family businesses yes. is the next generation, um, and mom and dad, I love you, but the next generation sometimes just want, like, would people just get out of my way and let me lead, right? And I'm very thankful that my parents didn't do that. Right. So when we first move into that space, we think we know it all. Mm-hmm. And I think the learning is I remember and I, I feel this way all the time now that like, wow, how would dad approach this? Yeah. How would you know, what can I learn by his approach? Because I naturally want to take off and he naturally wants to analyze the situation a little more than I would. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a balance in the middle. And that's what I'm learning. There's a balance in the middle. Um, so not being quite as aggressive um, and assertive and maybe, um, you know, and have I run over. Um, decisions or relationships early on in my career, probably because I had all the energy in the world and didn't know better. Right. right? Do you also feel like, because I, I did, was it also where you 
didn't want a teacher anymore. You wanted to be the teacher, and he still was the teacher. And I'm going to give you an example of this. Mm-hmm. So um, in a previous role, I went into a job and I thought, you know what? I know everything here. My manager's awesome, but I don't really have a ton to learn from him. Um, and I wasn't looking at him as my teacher. And it was c- creating a rub, right? Because in reality, he really was a teacher for mm-hmm. me. And then when I was able to admit that he was a teacher and that I still needed to be the student, it really shifted things a little mm-hmm. bit for me. I Any think, truth in that? I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think there's a lot of truth in that. So my dad has always surrounded himself with lots of advisors. And I see the tremendous value in that, that he listens and he seeks outside perspective. Now I listen. Now I seek outside perspective. You know, we put our board of advisors together almost two years ago for our company that is, quote unquote, my board of advisors versus dad's. Yes. And um, it's been one of the best decisions I could have ever made, Um, both in giving us confidence to go after the things that we were put on this earth to go after. Yeah. Um, but also to look at things differently and learn what top and how top and bottom line are really different. And we need to pay attention to that. You know, my dad says often um, that in many cases he has veto power, but he never has to use it. Yeah. Right. And I'm also very thankful that I, in my case, I have a father who has let me fail. And who has let me make different decisions than he would have. We see a lot of family businesses that that's the rub. So that was going to be my next question. If he has let you, like how hard it would be as a parent to release that. But you have to, he has to give you the opportunity to to fail. He did too. Yeah. And that's any successor succession relationship. Yeah. And and that's a point where you realize that, okay, I'm not going to swoop in. On every decision. I don't know if you listen to the Rich Bainey podcast, um, but what I loved, one of his stories that he shared was that the um, board at Scripps hired him in his 40s and let him take over. And he vowed that when he got to a certain age, he needed to let go of the reins so that a new generation could come in. And he mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he retired two years ago or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, he's, I shouldn't say retired because he still does a lot of stuff. But, um, I, and I would think that would be so hard. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing that. Yeah, I was talking to an executive yesterday um, that was sharing with me that our business is growing. Mike, our business is growing and I'm so used to doing everything Yes, that I can feel myself leaning into the decisions based on all the hiring decisions. I shouldn't be doing this. And I shared with him that I, three years ago, was a lot more involved in everything day to day. And again, I think it's the shift. I learned finally what I was trying to be taught from a senior generation. Now I'm doing it with my team and they can say, you know, we really don't need you in this meeting. So were you intentional around that? Like, did you get that feedback or how did you know? Very intentional. So um, so we have used a assessment called the Perfect Ten Corporate Culture okay. assessment for many years as an organization, and um, P10 Corporate Cultures is the organization that does this. And I received it's basically an organizational 360 on culture. Okay, and it also for those that are supervising people is a 360. Nice, right? So I got very specific feedback that um, that I was involved in everything. Right. And at some point, the fear from an organizational perspective was at some point he's either going to implode 
or, you know, could literally die from exhaustion. Yeah. Um, and we, he hired a team for a reason, right? So hire people, let, let them, them do lead. their best work. Uh, we've done that assessment. We do it every three years. And it took me to the second time through to get it. <laughs> First time, I really didn't care. And it was everybody else's problem. Right. Um, the third time, I've been really listening and very intentional of stepping out. And guess what's happened is everybody's grown. I'm more relaxed and can do my best work. And, and the things that fill your bucket, right? And the things that fill your bucket. Yeah. And it gives you margin to do the things that you were intended to do. Um, so yeah, it's been a great experience. Um, my dad and I also, you know, succession's not easy. Yeah. Um, our process was very long. I was very thankful when we started that we didn't really know what we wanted of this succession. What does this look like? Do I even want, you know, my dad always uses the comment, I can replace a business partner. I can't, I can't replace a son. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been this journey throughout the process. Um, the other dynamic there is we've we hired an advisor okay. to help us communicate. Um, she used uh, the Myers Briggs as a tool. Um, it was the first time going through it with that consultant that we really understood. What is your Myers Briggs, by the way? I'm sorry. Um, ENTJ. With the Myers-Briggs, my, um, Mike Sr. and I realized that we just constantly missed one another in okay. our communications, right? So he would say a three-year plan, I'd think a three-month plan. He would say, we need to push a little bit more. I'd think, how much harder do you want me to push? I don't, you know, how do I push? Right. So it really helped us by having a, and, and then that facilitator worked with us um, to just be a facilitator for us so we could work through things and and I'm very thankful to one have had that experience with the two of us yeah and to have experienced that experience because I'm a consultant right out there working in the world trying to help leaders connect with one yeah. another more so what I love that you guys do is you actually um you experience what you are right. promoting right yeah. so as the cobbler, you do have your own shoes, yeah, right? We strive really hard. I there. really love that. Like these assessment tools that you're using, you're using outside help to work through it. And then you can mm -hmm. share those best practices with your customers, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And having gone through our own president succession, yeah. having lifted and created new organizations, having have a board to know what other people are handling when they're managing through their board. Yeah. Um, and uh, and team member transition and cultural shifts and elevating an organization. And, you know, I uh, spoke to actually this morning two alumni uh, from Centennial that worked with us four and five years ago. Um, one of them we have working with us again. He's working on a couple projects. Um, but another one just texted me this morning and said, hey, I had to ask you a quick question. I um, love that because another one works with me and she has said, maybe someday I'll go back there because yeah. she and, loved it. And that's really important to us. Yeah. You know, as an employer, as employers, we need to create environments that help people be their best. Yes. And if that means at some point their chapter ends with our organization and starts with a new one. That's okay. Yeah. And how yeah. do we help them get there? So I know that you are such a good like prepper for today. Um, so I want to just ask you, when you thought about this podcast today, what did you think you, what resonated with you and what you wanted to share today? Yeah, thank you for asking. I, um, you know, one of the things, and I wrote this down as I was, was thinking through today is that, um, Life takes detours, and it's all about how you navigate them, 
right? And when experiences come up, and I'll share a couple of things in terms of challenges. So there's many individuals who think I love speaking publicly. And uh, most people who love speaking publicly, like at some point they had to learn to enjoy that process. Totally. Right? Um, And I remember you mentioned earlier uh, when I was asked to do a commencement speech at my high school, um, one that was like, why me? What in the world am I going to say? And I'm not going to do that. Right. That's crazy. You know, Um, and I really had to wrestle through the dynamic. I call it the fear of man. Um, You know, when we pray and ask in my case and praying and asking God, like, what do you want from me? How can I best serve you? Um, That reflection at one point was coming back that like I'm leading you to where I need you to be. Mm-hmm. And you're so fearful you won't trust me and you yeah. won't take that next step. Um, and I define it as kind of the fear of man. Like yeah, it's why a, is it called that? Um, so for me, it's the um, I'm letting others dictate and I'm fearful of what they might think mm-hmm. versus just being who I am. Yeah. And um, and therefore, you know, now I do lots of things publicly and lead facilitated groups. And So what was um, your tipping point? You know, at uh, ev- and I do this every single time. I also do this before I walk into a meeting with a client that I need to trust we're here for a reason. And it's just the conversation. Yeah. It's just the opportunity to talk to 300 people or it's just the opportunity to talk to three people. Yeah. And go be you. Go own and be you and who you are and speak your passion. Right. That's one of yeah. the best things about a podcast is, hey, even if people do judge, they, they, even the, launching a podcast was a little was scary. Yeah. Tell <laughs> you know, me about it. Because you're out there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm just going to go be me. And I'm yeah. going to go share what I believe in this environment and have learning experiences. And I also had friends um, that were push, encouraging me to do that. Um, you know, friends who really care, but also see a lot of value you bring to the marketplace. Yeah. So so the great you know one of the challenges faced is the fear of man. My greatest concern is what has that held me back from? Right. Right? What have I navigated around or said no to? So I think that's a really good question um because I think this is completely universal for people. What what are those those barriers that they've created in their head mm-hmm. that has held them back? But I love um I loved what you said about um you know well, you didn't say this exactly. My interpretation was this is part of the plan. It's supposed to happen. So be open to what that is. Mm -hmm. So for me with the podcasts, I don't know exactly what's going to happen at every podcast, but I do say a prayer before everyone and Mm -hmm. say, you know what, God, just let me ask the right question. Just Mm -hmm. let me be present so that people can see how awesome these people are that I get to interview. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's you know, instead of hearing all these negative stories in the news all the time, I want to hear the good stuff, right? right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I love that fear of man. I think that's very cool. Yeah. I think you th- you should like trademark that or something. <laughs> I, Maybe I that could it, be your first book. That could be very interesting. Yeah. I love the title. Um, Mike. I, th- I think it's also, you I'm know, serious. from serious. A- <laughs> I'm going to hold you to this. Okay. <laughs> you haven't committed yet. I can tell, That's but right. maybe. Not yet, but keep yeah. working on me. Yeah, I'll keep working on um, me. The, the other area is, uh, for me, again, just looking back at, like, you know, to a degree from a failure perspective. Yeah. Right? Um, focus and being extremely intentional about goals and okay. objectives. And are you? 
Um, historically, I would say that I wasn't. I wasn't, right? Okay. I was the typical, I'm going to set a New Year's resolution and it's going to die by March. Um, however, um, the last year and a half, two years, um, I've made a very serious intention to be laser focused and to design, you know, go with, like, for example, um, it's funny that you mentioned a book. Uh, one of my goals for 2018 was to, and I set this in 2017, was to have my first book published. Um, however, um, it shifted okay, and okay. became, you know what, um, we're going to launch a podcast and we're going to do it really well. And yeah. we're going to have a bank of episodes rolling into 2019. Um, so the focus was still on bringing lots of value and yes. sharing a certain voice. But the new medium felt like that we're going to go first with the podcast. Yeah. And then the book could be a 2019, 2020. Um, but setting setting goals and the power of focus. Okay. So give us, give us some um, – some tactical suggestions on how did you focus on laser focus on those goals or was there a method or mm-hmm. a practice that you created yeah. so, some organizational structure around it yeah so there's a leadership coach um who also has a podcast called lead to win uh, michael lead hyatt to win. okay um so lead to win uh, michael hyatt um, he was a CEO of a book publishing company, one of the uh, world's the world's largest Christian book publishing company. Okay, and um, was ended up getting bought by private equity and decided that he needed to go down a different path. Um, so now he has created a basically a productivity coaching business. Okay, for high performing executives, and uh, I've been a subscriber of his content for a long time. Um, he has a method uh, called the Full Focus Planner. Okay, um, which has which has, you know, I would say it's been a significant change in my life. So I've been an advocate and a listener and a tried member of Michael Hyatt's for a long time. Um, the Full Focus Planner isn't just something that he put together all by himself. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of tools and we things we know, right? things we know, but I finally believed in it. Like I'm going to execute a focused strategy and plan um, so it lays out you know what are your annual objectives yeah what are your annual goals can be personal can be professional what do those goals look like how do you execute those goals on a daily weekly monthly basis um, it's got do you a, do that every day uh, pretty much every day really? um, and and it also lays out a morning ritual a closing down work ritual. What's your morning ritual? What does that mean? Um, so setting up what are your daily habits, right? So for me, prayer, drinking coffee, yep. um, telling my family that I love them, making sure when they go to school and when I leave for work that they know that I love them, um, meditation, yoga, um, deep breathing, yeah. right? So I am, I'm an ENTJ. Um, you sometimes have to tell me to breathe, right? Because <laughs> we're going. Um and, um, and just getting in the mind space that today's a great day and it's an exciting day and I'm going to tackle whatever today brings. Yeah. Um, but here are my objectives. And um, and then an evening ritual. So my, your, my evening ritual looks pretty similar in terms of winding down, taking the full focus planner, jotting some notes, navigating. It's a journal. Yeah. Um, I just, as I'm prepping for 2019, just went back through the last four quarters. And you can see, like, wow, that those two meetings last year elevated this one particular goal 
beyond belief. Wow. And taking a laser-focused approach to um, even the podcast came out of our board really challenging me on my time. That like, hey, you know, you you meet with executives all the time that have stories to tell, powerful stories. And how do we get not one person to hear or 30 people to hear? How could 3,000 people yeah. hear that powerful story that's maximized from that one 35 to 45-minute conversation? Right. Um, and being focused on that and what does that look like and how do I block my calendar? So blocking out podcast recording days and navigating hiring people. You know, we added a production team for the podcast. We added a virtual marketing assistant. I added a virtual assistant to help me navigate calendar and emails. I still have one of the most um, highly dedicated, sophisticated executive assistants in this whole city, um, Christine Lewis. But our additional ad helped us both be more mm. productive and effective. That's cool. Um, and then we actually deployed this with our team. And um, not all of our team adopted it because okay. they have their own strategies yeah. and objectives, but four did. And um, and we were able to use this in our one-on-ones. And some of them, I also allowed me to understand my employees' personal goals. So we talk a lot about Love if that. you can help people be successful personally and show them how your organization yeah. helps them achieve that, they'll help you achieve your goals. Well, it goes back to Dream Manager, which That's is, right. you know, Mary and Tony Miller. Um, and I, I, at work, I've got one employee and his dream is to get a... Um, Oh my God! What's the what's the driverless car? Tesla. Tesla. I couldn't think of that for a minute. Tesla. Um, and so he does Uber driving on the weekends, like an hour or two. And in two years, he will have enough money saved up so that he can buy this Tesla. Mm. That's amazing. I get to be a part of that, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I agree with you on those goals. Yeah. Okay. And and you can ultimately tie into and if you help us and our organization be most successful. Totally. Here's another way that that could possibly speed up. Yes. Right? And um, so it's been very helpful. Um, and it, it has a weekend, what they call a weekend optimizer. So, you know, how did the week really? go? You're reflecting back on your previous week and then you're looking forward. So you're not focusing a whole lot on the past. We're looking forward. And um, uh, Michael Hyatt's, one of his books is called Living Forward. And it's about creating kind of a life plan strategy to focus on the future. And um, living forward, living forward. OK, um, I'm writing these down. So, And he has that approach that like, you know, at the end of the day, what has happened has happened. Does he have and, you do like an inventory at night of how the day went? Yes. Yeah. Um, and how the week went. How the week went. I try to do an inventory, maybe not the day of, but I'll do it for the day prior. Mm -hmm. So um, what went well? Um, and then I'll also kind of go through if I was um, what my gratitudes are, mm -hmm. how I treated people. Do mm -hmm. I need to make any apologies? Um, did I take care of self? Right. Those kind of some more, you know, personal ones. But right. it's really good because it helps me focus for the rest of the day, mm -hmm. you know, what, make sure that I'm being my my, the, my personal best. Absolutely. Absolutely. And whatever methodology that is, yeah. whatever tool it takes, I look back and go, wow, this is where the failure piece comes in that, you know, I'm, I'm challenging myself right now. How much time have I wasted not being as focused as I need to be, not yeah. living out very intentionally? Um, and you know what? I'm going to look forward because it doesn't matter. I learned from it. 
Um, but hopefully, as I'm coaching individuals and working with people to get people to be more intentional about who who I am, what gifts do I have, and how can I bring that to the world in the best way each and every day um, is a really critical part of a part of our lives and leadership. So um, we always have the perfect wrap at the end, and you just did the perfect wrap, I think. Is there anything that you're like, you know what, Sarah, we need to talk about that? And I, by the way, I love that fear of man. Um, the one thing that I will, um, I'll just talk about yeah. is the, some of the learnings of leading a team and being around organizations that are trying to lead teams better, that we all need to realize that people are people. And people have lives beyond being an employee, yeah. right? That only defines us so much. And at the end of the day, way too many people let that become their definition. And if we could help people, kind of a the life cycle, right? So there may be someone listening that goes, you know what? My work is my definition. It is who I am. At some point, you're going to hit a barrier or you're going to look around and realize that I have no relationships. Yeah. You know, uh, many years ago, I had a friend ask me, um, there was a group of us, and he just challenged us. He was like, you know, think about who are your 3 a.m. friends. There are many people who don't have 3 a.m. friends that they could call in case of an emergency mm-hmm. at any point. And I'm proud to say I have, a, I have a lot of them. You know, I have people that I call on, yeah. and they can call on me, and we're here for one another. Um, and you have to develop those relationships at work, but outside of work. So, right? right. Like if work is all you know, you probably don't have enough 3 a.m. friends, right? right? That's right. Yeah. And us as employers need to think about that, that people are people beyond just their place of work. Let's help them be their best self holistically. And we're seeing that in the talent marketplace, right? It is hard to attract people. And the organizations that are investing in a holistic person are the place where people are telling their friends, right? Those organizations yeah. have lots of ambassadors. People want to go to those places of business. Yeah. Um, the other piece is people genuinely want to do their best, yeah. but many don't know how. And maybe it's they don't know how. They do not have the skills to be at their best, and we need to help them get there. Or you haven't provided them the tools to be successful, right? The old adage, hit the ground running, yeah. is a terrible adage. Yeah. You know, we need to invest in the people you didn't get to where you are by hitting by just hitting the ground running. You've had experience that's helped you get there. Um, And I think that's really important for us to think about that. How do we help people be most successful? How do we help our teams be most successful, uh, both inside work? uh, I love that you guys. I mean, you really focus on the person more so. I know your client is the company, right? But you guys make more focus on the person. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're not a commodity. Right. So what we also you. describe as the individuals who we work with are also people, right? So the company, a company engages our services. But there's people inside that company that are signing the engagement and working with and we're coaching up and interacting with. And... Um, you know, so it's all about people. Have you ever had any companies, though, who treated their employees like doggy do and you had to fire them? Yes, we have. Seriously? Yes, we have. How do you do um, that? You get really confident that that's, you know, this isn't who what we are. What do you are. say? Um, what have you said? So one has been just that, that you're, reten- you're not willing to invest in the areas of retention. There's no point in attracting more people. 
right? If they're you're hiring them in the front door, they're walking out the back. Right. To us, that's not success, right? Um, the other is that our our we define our success organizationally, not by placing people. It's about the success of your business and helping you be more successful long term and knowing that we did that in a God honoring values based way. So if placing someone uh, isn't how we define our success and yet, you know, again, I'm not excited when I have to replace someone. Yeah. Right? Um, that's not success. We're going to help you win as an organization. And um, but it's been around retention. It's been around um, aggressive behavior that isn't healthy. Yeah. And everyone in the room knows it, but they're all so afraid to say it. And we're just going to say it. Right. You hired us to talk about your white elephants. Uh, we do say that often. If that freaks people out, mm-hmm. well, we don't want to do that. Then you're hiring the wrong consulting firm. Yeah. Um, because we're here to make the environment healthier. And the only way to get it healthier is to address the white elephants. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are the the primary areas of, of conversation that, uh, you know, because I did take notes. And as a again, as a listener and hearing um you know, Brian Tome and Rob McDonald and Mary and Tony Miller, um, Marissa, you know, all these great interviews that you've done. Um, it's like, wow, what would be this? What's the story? What, uh, what this, are we going to talk about? <laughs> I know, but I love, so to me, I love that fear of man. I think that that's so important for people to remember. Um, yeah. And it doesn't need to exist. It doesn't. Right. That's the part of overcoming that like stop overthinking it and just be who you are. You mentioned you a question earlier though that I was like, oh God, if I were a listener right now, I'd be wanting to ask that question. And I think um, maybe you can help me remember what it was, but it was all around like what were the what are some barriers have that that are getting in the way of yeah. XYZ dream. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, if you look at the Or how you can be your your true self, authentic self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, owning that. So we'll try to tie both of those together. Um, One is what if, if removed, what could you achieve? Yes. And so many times that's attached to I'm afraid of how others would think or I'm afraid how others would take. You know, I, I, um, there's some great organizations in town. Um, About four years ago, I was set up to be chair of an organization in town. Yeah. And I was exhausted. My kids were getting ready to hit the age where they're going to be really engaged in sports, all three of them. Yes. And I want to be there. Um, And I had to step back. This was one of those pivotal moments. I had a friend that I shared this with at a breakfast. And he was like, you know, just do it. If this is what you feel called to do, step out of the role. Yeah. So I had to call the executive director and the board who nominated me. And say, and say, you know, I really appreciate this, and I know I accepted, but I cannot be your best chair. Um, if I so, I stepped out of that role. Um, I and I was afraid. Yeah. Right. What are people going to think? And is my business going to lose face? And is it going to impact? And you know what? It did quite the opposite. Yeah. Like it's, um, you know, I still love the people that are in that organization, and they know us, and we still work together. 
But at that time, I had to step into, and I remember I was reading a book uh, by Pete Scazzaro called okay. Emotionally Healthy Leadership Ooh. Um, by Pete Scazzaro. And there was a chapter that, a uh, specific paragraph that was, that basically said, um, God doesn't need you to achieve his plans. He wants you on his journey and he wants people on the journey with him, but you're not, you know, I kind of took it as you're not that important. Right. Yes. You don't have to have that chair title to be someone. Yeah. You are someone. You are you. You're uniquely you. So own it yeah. and be you and quit worrying about what other people are thinking. And um, and, you know, that chair role 10 years from now, nobody's going to remember who the chair was 10 years ago. Right. Right. Um, but you will remember the time that you got to spend with your kids. That's right. That's right. And I hope they look back and go, wow, I want to be an entrepreneur because daddy was and he was still present. Yeah. Right. Um, I do think it's all about I do think it's two things, choices. Um, but when you said if removed, what could you achieve? And I think for some people, it's um, removing like a mental barrier that they have. I'm not good. It's thoughts mm -hmm. and beliefs. Um, and that is a choice, too. Mm -hmm. Both are choices. Yeah. It sometimes seems easier to say, I'm making a choice not to commit to X, Y, Z action mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and to me, the mental <laughs> barrier is harder mm -hmm. to get rid of, mm -hmm. but it's possible and it's and it's a choice. That's I was right. coaching somebody today and she was like, I just don't feel confident around X, Y, Z. And I was like, here's the deal. You have 90 seconds. You're going to talk about not feeling confident. And then we're not talking about it anymore because mm -hmm. it was the... It was the hamster wheel over, mm -hmm. and over and over and over and over and over in her head. And I'm like, no, stop it. She's like, okay. I'm like, I will not entertain any more conversation because in my mind, she was confident. Mm -hmm. You know, right. I didn't see all the flaws that she saw in herself. You saw her full potential. Yes. And just wanted her to be in that full potential. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's an opportunity for all of us. Mm -hmm. We all get in our own heads too much. That's right. And it's calling those the 3 a.m. people to help remind us. That's right. Yeah. Well, Mike, you are so awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Sarah, thank you for having me. Thank you for all you do. And thank you for the impact that Failing Forward is having on our community. Thanks, Mike. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, Anna Bolke, our producer, and the incredible team at Gwyn Sound. If you liked this episode, please, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and write a review. 